Chapter Twenty Four of the Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins by Robert Paltick. Chapter Twenty Four. I had now lived here almost fourteen years, and besides the three sons before mentioned had three girls and one boy. Pedro, my eldest, had the grandee, but too small to be useful. My second son, Tommy, had it complete. So had my three daughters. But Jimmy and David, the youngest sons, none at all. My eldest daughter I named Patty, because I always called my first wife so. I say my first wife, though I had no other knowledge of her death than my dream, but am from that as verily persuaded, if ever I reach England, I shall find it so as if I had heard it from her aunt's own mouth. My second daughter, my wife desired, might be called by her sister's name, Hallie Carney, and my youngest I named Sarah, after my mother. I put you to the trouble of writing down the names, for, as I shall hereafter have frequent occasion to mention the children severally, it will be pleasanter for myself and you to call them by their several names of distinction than to call them my second son or my eldest daughter and so forth. My wife now took great delight in exercising Tommy and Patty, who were big enough to be trusted, in flight and would often skim round the whole island with them before I could walk half through the wood. And she would teach them also to swim or sail, I know not which to call it, for sometimes you should see them dart out of the air as if they would fall on their faces into the lake. When coming near the surface they would stretch their legs in a horizontal posture, and in an instant turn on their backs, and then you could see nothing from the bank, to all appearance, but a boat sailing along, the grandee rising at their head, feet, and sides, so like the sides and ends of a boat, that you could not discern the face or any part of the body. I own I often envied them this exercise, which they seemed to perform with more ease than I could only shake my leg or stir an arm. Though we had perpetually swangians about us, and the voices, as I used to call them, I could never once prevail on my wife to show herself, or to claim any acquaintance with her country folks. And what is very remarkable in my children is that my three daughters and Tommy, who had the full grandee, had exactly their mother's sight. Jimmy and David had just my sight, and Pedro's sight was between both, though he was never much affected with any light. But I was obliged to make spectacles for Tommy and all my daughters when they came to go abroad. I had, in this time, enlarged my dwelling, which the increase of my family had rendered necessary. The last alteration I was enabled to do in a much better manner, and with more ease than the first, for by the return of my flota I had gotten a large collection of useful tools, several of iron, where the handles or woodwork preponderated the iron. But such as was all, or greatest part of that metal, had got either to the rock, or were so fast fixed to the head of the ship that it was difficult to remove them, so that my wife could get comparatively few of this latter sort, though some she did. 
it was well truly i had these instruments which greatly facilitated my labors for i was forced to work harder now than ever in making provision for us all and my sons pedro and tommy commonly assisted i had also had another importation of goods through the gulf which still added to my convenience but my boat made me shudder every time i went into her she had leaked again and again and i had patched her till i could scarce see a bit of the old wood she was of unspeakable use to me and yet i could not venture myself in her but with the utmost apprehension and trembling i had been intending a good while now i had such helps to build a new one but had been diverted by one avocation or other about this time Yorkey, who was now upwards of thirty-two years of age the fondest mother living and very proud of her children had formed a project of taking a flight to Arndrumstake, a town in the kingdom of dorpt swanjianti as i called it where her father if living was a kolam footnote governor end footnote under jorigeti the prince of that country she imparted her desire to me asking my leave and she told me if i pleased she would take patty and tommy along with her i did not much dislike the proposal because of the great inclination i had for a long time to a knowledge of and familiarity with her countrymen and relations and now i had so many of her children with me i could not think she would ever be prevailed on but by force to quit me and her offspring and be contented to lose six for the sake of having two with her especially as she had showed no more love for them than the rest so i made no hesitation but told her she should go i expected continually i should hear of her departure but she saying no more of it i thought she had dropped her design and i did not choose to mention it but one day as we were at dinner looking mighty seriously she said my dear i have considered of the journey you have consented i should take but in order thereto it is necessary that i prepare several things for the children especially those who have no grandee and i am resolved to finish them before i go that we may appear with decency both here and at arndrumstake for i am sure my father whose temper i am perfectly acquainted with will upon sight of me and my little ones be so overjoyed that he will forgive my absence and marriage provided he sees reason to believe i have not matched unworthily unbecoming my birth and after keeping me and the children with him it may be two or three months will accompany me home again himself with a great retinue of servants and relations or at least if he is either dead or unable for flight my other relations will come or send a convoy to take care of me and the children and my dear as i shall give them all the encomiums i can of you and of my situation with you while i am among them i would have them a little taken with the elegance of our domestic condition when they come hither that they may think me happy in you and my children for i would not only put my family into a condition to appear before them but to surprise the old gentleman and his company who never in their lives saw any part of mankind with another covering than the grandee when she had done i expressed my approbation of her whole system as altogether prudent and she proceeded immediately to put it in execution 
To work she went, opened every chest, and examined their contents. But while she was upon the hunt, and selecting such things as she thought fit for her purpose, she recollected several articles she had observed in the ship, which she judged far more for her turn than any she had at home. Hereupon, she prayed me to let her take another trip to the vessel, and to carry Tommy with her. After so many trials, and such happy experience of her wise and fortunate conduct, I consented to her flight, and away went she and her son. Upon their return, which was in a few days, she told me what they had been doing, and said, as she so often heard me complain of the age of my boat, and fear to sail in her, she had fitted me out a little ship, and hoped it would in due time arrive safely. As she passed quickly on to other things, I never once thought of asking her what she meant by the little ship she spoke of, but must own that, like a foolishly fond parent, I was more intent on her telling me how Tommy had found a hoard of playthings which he had packed up for his own use. As to this last particular, I learned by the sequel of the story when the spark, proud of his acquisition, came to me that he had been peeping about in the cabin whilst his mother was packing the chests, and seeing a small brass knob in the wainscoat, took it for a plaything, and, pulling to get it out, opened a little door of a cupboard, where he had found some very pretty toys that he positively claimed for himself, among which were a small plain gold ring, and a very fine one set with diamonds, which he showed me upon two of his fingers. I wondered how the child, who had never before seen such things, or the use of them, should happen to apply these so properly. But he told me in playing with this, meaning the diamond ring, about his fingers, it slipped over his middle finger joint, and he could not get it off again. So he put the other upon another finger to keep it company. We watched daily, as usual on such occasions, for the arrival of our fleet. It was surprising that none of the chests which Yorkie shot down the gulf were ever half so long in their passage as I was myself. But some came in a week, some in a few days more, and even some in less, which I attributed to their following directly the course of the water, shooting from shelf to shelf as the tide sat. And I believe my keeping the boat I sailed in so strictly and constantly in the middle of the stream was the reason of my being detained there so long. In less than a fortnight everything came safe but one chest, which, as we never heard of it, I suppose was either sunk or bulged. Being one day upon the shore, watching to see if anything more was come through the cavern, I spied at a distance somewhat looking very black and very long, and by the color and shape thereof I took it for a young whale. Having observed it some time making very little way, I took my old boat and followed it, but was afraid to go near it, lest a stroke with its tail, which I then fancied I saw move, might endanger my boat and myself too. But creeping nearer and nearer, and seeing it did not stir, I believed it to be dead. Whereupon, taking courage, I drew so close that at length I plainly perceived it was the ship's second boat turned upside down. It is not easy to express the joy I felt on this discovery. It was the very thing I was now, as I have said, in the greatest want of. 
I presently laid hold of it and brought it ashore, and it was no small pleasure to find, on examining, that though it had lain so long dry, it was yet quite sound, and all its chinks filled up in its passage, and it proved to me afterwards the most beneficial thing I could have had from the ship. I got all my goods home from the lake to my grotto by means of the cart, as usual. My wife and daughters waited with impatience for me to unpack, that they might take possession of such things as would be needful for rigging out the family against the supposed reception of the old glum, and had set all the chests in the order they desired they might be opened in. But Tommy, running to me, with a, Pray, Daddy, open my chest first. Pray, give me my playthings first. It was, to satisfy him, concluded, in favor of his demand. So, he pointing to the chest which he regarded as his property, I opened it, whilst his eyes were ready to pierce through it, till I came to his treasure. "'There, there they are, Daddy,' says he, as soon as I had uncovered them. And, indeed, when I saw them, I could not but much commend the child for his fancy. For the first things that appeared were a silver punch, or wine-can, and a ladle— then a gold watch, a pair of scissors, a small silver chafing-dish and lamp, a large case of mathematical instruments, a flagellette, a torella or globular lodestone, a small globe, a dozen of large silver spoons, and a small case of knives and forks and spoons. In short, there was, I believe, the greatest part of the Portuguese captain's valuable effects. These, Tommy claiming as his own proper chattels, I could not help interposing somewhat of my authority in the affair. "'Hold, hold, son,' says I. "'These things are all mine. But as I have several of you who will all be equally pleased with them, though as the first finder you may be entitled to the best share, you are not to grasp the whole. You must all have something like an equality.' and as to some things which may be equally useful to us all, they must be set up to be used upon occasion, and are to be considered as mine and your mother's property. I thereupon gave each of them a large silver spoon, and with a fork I scratched the initials of their names respectively on them, and divided several of the trifles amongst them equally. And now, Tommy, says I, you, for your pains, shall have this more than the rest, offering him the flagellette. Tommy looked very gloomy, and though he durst not find fault, his dissatisfaction was very visible by coolly taking it, tossing it down, and walking gravely off. I thought, says I, Tommy, I had made a good choice for you, but as I find you despise it, here, Pedro, do you take that pretty thing, since your brother slights it? Tommy replied, speaking but half out, and a little surly, more than I ever observed before. Let him take it, if he will. I can get bits of sticks enough in the wood. My method had always been to avoid either beating or scolding at my children, for preferring their own opinion to mine. But I ever let things turn about so, that— from their own reason they should perceive they had erred in opposing my sentiments, by which means they grew so habituated to submit to my advice and direction that, 
for the most part my will was no sooner known to them than it became their own choice but then i never willed according to fancy only but with judgment to the best of my skill tommy therefore as i said before having shown a disapprobation of my doings to convince him of his mistake i took the flagellet from pedro and now pedro says i let me teach you how to manage this piece of wood as tommy calls it and then let me see if in all the grove he can cut such another on this i clapped it to my mouth and immediately played several country dances and hornpipes on it for though my mother had scarce taught me to read i had learnt music and dancing being as she called them gentlemanlike accomplishments my wife and children especially tommy all stared as if they were wild first on me then on one another whilst i played a country dance but i had no sooner struck up an hornpipe than their feet arms and heads had so many twitching and convulsive motions that not one quiet limb was to be seen amongst them till having exercised their members as long as i saw fit i almost laid them all to sleep with chevy chase and so gave over they no sooner found themselves free from this enchantment than the children all hustled round me in a cluster all speaking together and reaching out their little hands to the instrument i gave it pedro there says i to him take this slighted favor as no such contemptible present poor tommy who had all this while looked very simple burst into a flood of tears at my last words as if his heart would have broke and running to me fell on his knees and begged my pardon hoping i would forgive him i took him up and kissing him told him he had very little offended me for as he knew i had more children to give anything to which either of the rest despised it was equal to me who had it so it was thankfully received i found that did not satisfy still in tears he said might he not have the stick again as i gave it to him first tommy says i you know i gave it to you first but you disapproving my kindness i have now given it pedro who should i against his will take it from him would have that reason to complain which you have not who parted with it by your own consent and therefore tommy as i am determined to acquaint you as near as i can with the strict rules of justice there must no more be said to me of this matter such as this was my constant practice amongst them and they having always found me inflexible from this rule we seldom had any long debates though i say the affair ended so with regard to what i had to do in it yet it ended not so with tommy for though he knew he had no hopes of moving me he set all his engines at work to recover his stick as he called it by his mother's and sister's interest these solicited pedro very strongly to gratify him at length pedro he being a boy of the most humane disposition granted their desire if i would give leave and i having signified that the cause being now out of my hands he might do as he pleased he generously yielded it and indeed he could not have bestowed it more properly for tommy had the best ear for music i ever knew and in less than a twelvemonth could far outdo me his instructor in softness and eagerness of finger 
and was also master of every tune I knew, which were neither inconsiderable in number nor of the lowest rate. Yewarki, with her daughters, sat close to work, and had but just completed her whole design for the family clothing when she told me she found herself with child again. As that circumstance ill-suited a journey, she deferred her flight for about fifteen months, in which time she was brought to bed, and weaned the infant, which was a boy, whom I named Richard, after my good master at the academy. The little knave thrived amain, and was left to my farther nursing during its mammy's absence, who, still firm to her resolution, after she had equipped herself and companions with whatever was necessary to their travelling, and locked up all the apparel she had made till her return, because she would have it appear new when her father came, set out with her son Tommy and my two daughters, Patty and Halicarney, the last of which, by this time, being big enough also to be trusted with her mother. End of chapter 24 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista